0: All right, I am going to talk about uh, the dark night of the soul, which sounds like a gloomy subject. I'm going to, I am going to give you a little doom and gloom, but I hope I leave you with hope. So that's the, that's the goal here. What's the toughest stretch you've ever been through? What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Maybe you're going through a particularly tough time right now. Have you lost your job? Lost your house? Or maybe you haven't yet, but you're afraid you're going to lose one of those? Are you addicted to something that is completely controlling your life? Do you have an identity crisis? Do you just wonder, who am I? What am I here for? Are you dealing with a serious illness, the loss of a loved one? You see, I believe many people are hurting right now. And that many are going through a wilderness time, or what I'm, what I, what some people call a dark night of the soul. I know people in all those categories I just mentioned, and I'll bet you do too. Norma Deering is a woman used to be at Christian Healing Ministries. She's for the last nine, ten years she's had a radio call-in live prayer ministry late at night. If you're hanging around midnight, one o'clock, you can call in and and uh, people pray for you. She says, Virginia, my wife Virginia ran into her recently and she said, you know, a year or so ago that the, uh, the issues people had were along the lines of, ah, my son, he's got a problem with marijuana or, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble getting along with my mother-in-law. She said, now it's things like my mother's really depressed and I'm afraid she doesn't want to live anymore or I, I'm, I've got a law degree I've, uh, and I've been out of work for nine months. I can't find anything or I'm counting the days, it's less than a month when I'm totally out of money and I'm going to be on the street. You know, Norma says people, the things people put their security in often are their bank account or their job and that they're losing these. And it's just really, really a, a tough thing. You see, I think our country right now is going through a dark night of the soul. And much of this is financial. You know, we've, when it comes to money, I mean, basically we've all lost it. You know, or we're having trouble making it. I mean, uh, uh, everybody knows the concept now of a 401k turning into a 201k. <laughs> you know, we had this massive credit bubble that burst. People where we have guests here from England and uh, the same things happened there. Same thing all the world over. People of individuals have borrowed too much and spent too much. Companies have borrowed too much, spent too much. Our government surprise, <laughs> borrowed too much, spent too much. You see, too often, and a lot of it's just silliness, a lot of us, we get all carried away. I mean, too often we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. <laughs> so, you know, I think <laughs> Lately, we're having a, an upturn. If you follow the stock market, in, in, in the last five or six weeks, uh, we've had almost a 30% rebound. Huge move off the bottom. Everything you read now is uh, upbeat, somewhat upbeat, optimistic. It's kind of like we were falling off a precipice. Now we're just kind of rolling downhill. People say, the, yeah, you know, the rate of the decline is slowing. And the optimists and forecasters will say, hey, we're going to bottom in the second half of this year. And then it's uh, off we go again. And we'll be right back to where we were. And I hope that's true. I hope that happens. That would be great. But I'm not buying it. I spend a lot of time, doesn't mean I'm right, but I spend a lot of time read, reading this, I'm the investment business, doing all this sort of thing. And it just, it took a long time to get where we are. This is a bubble that built up over years and years. And I just think it's going to take a while to get out of it. So my advice is <coughs> hunker down. Don't, don't borrow unless you, unless you have to. Uh, don't spend money. You know, a basic rule that we've, we've all sort of forgotten is Spending less than we make. You know, it's a radical concept, but you should spend less than you make. Avoid credit card debt if you can. Um, When you buy something, you really ought to ask, do I have that much in the bank as opposed to, hey, what's the monthly payment? You know, you've probably read that this this generation that's up and coming right now, the current generation is going to be the first generation in the history of our country to have a standard of living lower than the previous generation. And I think that's right. I believe that. That's totally true, I think, from a material possession standpoint. But I don't think it's right from a quality of life standpoint. You see, it's all about joy and peace. You can trade down in terms of possessions and you can still trade up in terms of your quality of life. And I think experiencing the spiritual fruits... Love, joy, peace is really how your life is, becomes rich. So that's right there for us. We can do that. But it's, it's, things are totally different now. You know, it's, I think we're going to simplify. I think we're going to get back to a more simple lifestyle. I mean, uh, nowadays, kids have iPhones, they have iTunes, they have iPods. When I was a kid, we went to IHOP and ate pancakes. <laughs> we played I Spy Something Red. You know, it was great. Growing up, uh, anybody remember Kick the Can? Okay, great game. Cost a lot, right? You get a plastic milk jug, you fill it with rocks, and you set it up. All the kids in my neighborhood played Kick the Can in the summertime all day long. It was the greatest. You know, our moms would call us in for dinner when it was, when it was time to eat and it was dark, and we'd go eat dinner, and we'd collapse in bed. We were exhausted, and we'd get up and do it all again the next day. It was great. I know there's some of that, but, st- but now kids have, they don't just have one video game player. They've got you know, PlayStation's not enough. You've got to have Xbox. You've got to have the Wii, whatever. Of course, us grown-ups can do some of those things, too. But, you know, it's, it's amazing how many 50 and $60 titles everybody has to go along with all their different ga- game consoles that they play with. So I think we're going to learn that we're going to have to learn how to spend less. That's going to happen. Um, we're going to get to a simpler lifestyle. But I think it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity... Also for evangelism, because people are hungry, people are hurting, and people are looking for, for something different. I'll tell you a story that I think kind of relates. I was with, uh, had lunch with a, a friend two or three weeks ago, he's very involved in pris- prison ministry. He's, his company's based in Texas, and they go throughout the southeast and southwest. And he was telling me they, were, they went to a prison, I think in Texas, and one of the guys on the team, one of the guys who was just a volunteer on the team who has a real gift of evangelism, led... 27 people in prison to christ and just the guy was on fire you know of course the the, the guys that he, that accepted christ were, were were on fire and happy but this guy was even it was even higher because and i evangelism does not happen to be one of my great gifts but i am happen to be friends with lots of guys that are evangelists and you know, if that's you, you know you will love that. That's the greatest thing, and it's greater than anything, is actually leading somebody to Christ. So this guy says, when are we going again? When are we going again? Well they, well, they went, I think, to prison in Alabama like two weeks later, and he says, I want the toughest. Give me the, the baddest of the bad. You know, all those other guys were too easy. So, so they put him with the gang leaders. They put him with the, the serious gang leaders, and he led four of the gang leaders to Christ including one guy, he said, that had three teardrops tattooed down his eye. And if you know anything about this, apparently that means he'd killed three people from rival gangs. And he said when he's, when he's, when he's praying for the guy and this guy's accepting Christ, he said he had real tears, and he's crying. And the guy said, and you can imagine he's probably a big, tough, macho guy. He said, I need Jesus. I've got to get out of this lifestyle I'm in. I, I just, I've, I've, got, I've got to change and the prison, the guy who headed up the prison said he'd been there 30 years, and he said, apparently this whole group was pretty, you know, pretty powerful. He said he'd never seen what he saw in the prison yard, which was members of rival gangs talking to each other, standing with each other. He said, I've never seen it. He says amazing. I've never seen it. You know, they just don't go near each other. They just, tend, you know, figure out how they can fight, I guess, or kill each other. So something's really happening there. And I tell you that story because what I think, I mean, clearly the Holy Spirit is working, and those guys are hungry. Those prisoners are hungry. And what I think is that, that hunger, we're, we have that hunger in a lot of ways in, a lot, in, in, in the world right now, and it's, not, and it's for a lot of different reasons. So for many people, I think it's more financial or, gee, where am I, what am I doing, as opposed to being in prison and having nowhere to turn. Okay, so I'm digressing a little bit. Back to the dark night of the soul uh the the dark night of the soul is something that uh, that that various people have written about over time you go you go google it you'll see a lot of people even francis mcnutt here locally christian healing ministries has written about that um it was first the phrase was first coined in the 16th century by a guy named saint john of the cross who was a spanish poet and roman catholic priest and the idea is it's part of your spiritual journey okay that, it, that, it, that it's something that comes up and it's a period of loneliness, it's a period of desolation, when you actually feel like God has abandoned you. You're praying and he doesn't hear you. He's left you, okay? but it's, So it's a stripping, it's a humbling, but it leads to a, to, to a, di- a deeper spiritual maturity. So it leads to something good. Um, John Paul Jackson is a prophet who's written about this and I like what he says. He says, this is something that starts out as an unexpected humbling, and you end up with an unexpected blessing. And again, this is something that could be, it could be just something that's on the, your normal journey, and it just pops up, I guess, I think. I, I think more often than not, it's because you're, there's some really, you're, there's some real struggles in your life. Things are not going the way they're supposed to, it's some, one thing in particular, or maybe a combination of things that are just really weighing you down, so that you're, you, you end up going through this dark night of the soul. And uh, let's look at James 1, verse 2, 3. This is a good verse. You've heard this verse. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You've heard this right now. If you've ever struggled and somebody's laid this verse on you, if you're like me, I don't know, I go to this verse and I go, okay, thanks a lot. You know, I'm really, I've, I've, whatever, I know I've got cancer or I'm, you know, I'm now bankrupt and somebody says, consider it all joy. You know, it's, that's kind of a tough thing. Uh, Some people can do that. I think it's a lot easier when we're through this period and we, and you can really see the blessings that you have, that you got to look back and say, okay, that was, you know, it was a good thing, even though I might not have been joyful. So, so I, I, you know, I'm, probably not saying anything really intellectual about this, but I'd say if you can count it all joy, do that, and it's a good thing. And it is good to count your blessings. It's always good to remember what you have going for you. But one of the words that really jumps out at me on that, that scripture is when. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face various trials. It ain't an if, right? It's a win. We will all have bad things happen to us. We are all going to go through, through various trials. So you need to be ready for that. That's a certainty. Uh, when you look, when you think about the Bible characters, you can just start, you, you can start thinking lots and lots of them went through various trials and tribulations. They had this, this wilderness period, this desert period. Uh, you think of Joseph getting thrown in prison. You think of Job and all that he went through, everything taken from him. Um, there's lots of these and and in fact they make great stories you know if you when you when you always it's whether you're writing a a book or making a movie you know if it's just all about some everything that's great that happened to somebody it gets pretty boring you know it's really the struggles that are that are the fun part and the struggles often are where you get the the revelation and the wisdom that you use that, that that comes out of that that really helps you get deeper roots and i'll talk about that a little more but think about david you know, you read you read a lot of the psalms. It's a lot of the psalms is basically David's journal, and it's just really fun when you read that. You see David; he's so transparent, and he's such a godly guy, and he's just and he's so on fire for God, and 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 when he's when he's you know when he's crying out for help, he tells you. When he's just celebrating, he tells you. I mean, you know, that's the psalms are just really really uplifting. Let's look at um, uh, Psalms 16 verse 11. Okay so th- this is a fairly typical one from David you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore let's look at psalms 37 verses 4 and 5 this is a classic you see this also in proverbs delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the lord trust in him and he will act isn't that great i mean that always that one really that one does fire me up i love that one just delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, it just sounds so simple. David wrote the 23rd Psalm. I mean, what greater Psalm is there than that? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You know, my God's with me. You know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Isn't that great? That's David. And that's what. And that's what I think we tend to think of as David. Well, guess what? You know, you probably remember when Saul was chasing him, when various enemies were after him. David, David, just as much as anybody, had his dark nights of the soul. And you've got to look harder because I think 80 or 90% of what David writes is really uplifting. But you, you'll, you look and you'll find it. Let's Look at Psalms 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand afar off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? That's the same guy, right? S- suddenly saying, where are you? Why are you hiding? Look at Psalms 13, verse 1. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your, your face from me? I mean, see, it sounds like he sounds pretty sincere right there, right? He's not saying, "I know, I know, this is temporary. I know you're, I know you're just gonna, you're around the corner and you'll be right back." Are you gonna hide your face from me forever? You know, he's feeling abandoned. So. How do we know, now there's, you know, so there's, I'm talking about a dark night of the soul, which sounds like a really depressing thing, and there's a lot of young people at this service in particular. I think uh, this period, it's, it's, I would call it a season. It could be weeks, could be months, you know, but it tends to be a season. I think the younger you are, sort of the quicker you snap out of these, you know, maybe a day or two that something really bad happens where you, you just need to pray into it and work through it, but it tends to be really, I think, tends to be more like weeks or, or, or even months, so as opposed to just something that bad that happened to you and, you know, that, this too shall pass and you're snapped out the next day, how, how do you know that it's something that's, that's more intense that God is really wants to, wants to use and wants you to, to grow through this? Well, there's several ways. I would say one way is if you're feeling really stressed, okay? If, you, if I said describe yourself in one word, you know, what would that be? Think about that. I had a roommate in college. He was. We were all interviewing for jobs. He was six five, and somebody asked him that, and he said, "Tall." He didn't. He didn't get. He didn't get that. They didn't think that was very funny. Then later, later, later. On, later, he. Uh, in that same interview, he knew it wasn't going well. So when they asked him, "Is your greatest weakness?" You know, we all. We. All, you know how you work on those, right? Your greatest weakness, you say something like, "Well, I work too hard," you know, or "I'm too compassionate." I really get caught up in caring about other people they asked him his greatest weakness and he just, he paused and he looked him right in the eye and he said, kryptonite. <laughs> so he didn't get that job. He didn't get that job. But anyway, the word I think of that I often think of when I think, when, when, when I think of one word to describe myself, I would say blessed. And I bet a lot of you do as well. It's not that I'm that special, but I just, I think I'm, I'm lucky. I've got, I've got, you know, my package of gifts like everybody does. I don't have anything terrible. And I, and I just feel like you know, life is good. I'm blessed. Well, when, a couple times when I've really been in this period of, of uh, my wilderness period, I don't think that just doesn't come to my mind at all. You know, it's more like stressed, like really stressed, or maybe even depressed. Um, several years ago, I was, uh, you know, I've never really understood depression. I know people, it's a, it's a chemical thing. It's, a, it's actually an illness for some people. And some people, I think it's something beca- that comes on because of, of uh, cer- certain events. And I've never really thought a lot about it or understood it because I never really had it or thought I would. Two or three years ago, my business was really struggling. We I mean, were in the investment business, and we seemed to be losing money every day. It was just really annoying. And I just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. I, was, I felt like a lot of people were depending on me, and I had certain obligations. I was having trouble m- m- meeting and I was just awful. It got to where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I mean, I just laid there. Um, it was awful. And, and I, I always used to think when, if I were depressed, I would go do something fun. you know. And I would think of crazy things I would do. And uh, I'm not going to say what they were because I said it in the first sermon service and everybody thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. So <laughs> talk to me later and I'll tell you. But, uh, but uh, I came up with crazy things that I would do thinking, you know, how can people be so depressed? You could go do this, you could go do that, you know, go to a different part of the world. Well, let me tell you, and if those of you who've been in this know what I'm talking about, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to pull the covers over my head and just felt like, it Just felt like a, you know, bricks were pressing down on me. So anyway, that's one sign, I think, that uh, this you may be in a dark, dark night of the soul. A second sign would be if you are praying and you're reaching out to God and you're just not feeling like he's hearing you. The prayers aren't being answered. And this, this particular time, that was what happened to me. I was just like, you know, I kept praying a lot of the same sort of prayers because you're very needy in a time like this. And it was like nothing, you know, it's like, geez, are you on vacation? You know, what is the deal here? I'm not getting anywhere with, with these prayers. A, a, a third sign would be that your gifts, your talents, things you're really good at, seemed to have suddenly just deserted you. And things that you could do in your sleep, you know, whatever, you can't do anymore. I mean, in, in our case, we'd been up and running, my firm been up and running 10, 12 years, and we'd had a good record and always seemed to be able to figure things out and, and uh, you know, if not be heroes, to do, do, do well enough, so everybody thought we were pretty cool. And uh, suddenly it was like every day we lost money. I mean, we'd have days where our, our longs would go down and our shorts would go up, which is very difficult to do. I mean, it's, it's almost like you gotta, you gotta work at that. I used to joke that, I, that the monkeys in my office were the, one, the guys making the money. I mean, it was like, I'd pick up the phone and whatever trade I was doing, you know, I, I pictured a monkey in the corner, you know, picking up the phone and making the opposite trade. You know, and those were the ones that were working. So you, so you just can't do the things that you normally do. What do you do when this happens? Again, I think the main thing, is the, you know, my message here would just be you pray, you press through it, God is there, what, what do you get out of this? Well, this is the fun part. What's happening here is God is really calling you deeper into his life. See, he wants you to seek him, and he wants you to seek him in a different way probably than you have been. He really wants you to let go of your ego and trade your agenda for his agenda. You know, God has the plan. And we think we do, right? And, and even, if, even if we buy into God's plan, for the most part, we'll often say, well, you know, we need a little detour here, you know, well, we or I think we should do this, God. But he wants you to just love him, and, and, and he, then he will reveal himself through the Holy Spirit. Well, think about this. I think God really wants us to seek him for God himself rather than what he can do for us, or what he can give us. John Arnott is the, uh, the pastor the, at um, Toronto Airport Church. He's one of, the, you know, one of the original Holy Spirit guys. They've had a lot, of, a lot of interesting things happen there over the years. And John Arnott tells a story about once when he was, when he was praying, and he was praying, and God, he just really felt God's spirit, and he really felt God's presence in a powerful way. And this happened a few times where he would start praying about the building campaign, or the fundraising they're doing. And he just felt God's presence just sort of leave, you know, just kind of slowly walk out the room. And he, so he prayed to God, and he asked him about that. He said, what is the deal? And you know what God said to him? You know what he heard God say? God said, you know, I feel like so many people marry me for my money <laughs> instead of marrying me for me. See, God just wants us to love him. He just wants us, you know, that intimacy we see with David, That's what he wants from us. Just love God for God. Now, when you go through these times, it's not a punishment, but it definitely can be a stripping or a humbling or a refining. Um, Let's look at Isaiah chapter 48, verses 10 and 11. This is a neat verse. This is God talking. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you, I've tri- tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake for my own sake I do it now when he says it's I'm, I'm not refining you as silver I think that's because silver is a, a precious metal and we're a people we're a precious person we're just different but in a sense I think that it is similar because you know what happens when silver is refined they mine s- silver ore which is not that pure, but they mine silverware out of the ground and they stick it in this oven at a ridiculously hot temperature and the impurities rise to the top. And they pull it out and they scrape the impurities off. And then they do it again. They make it hotter and more impurities rise to the top and they scrape the impurities off and they keep doing this. And you know, you know when they stop? They stop when, when you can look in the silver and see your reflection in the silver. So I think what God wants to do is he wants to refine us until he can see his reflection in us. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, and again, I talked earlier about the, the, uh, the, the wisdom that you get when you're in these periods. This is just a time, you know, you think about... Uh, Uh, mountaintop experiences okay think about your own personal mountaintop experiences everybody has them you know some of the highlights of your life some of the great days and you were just on cloud nine and you got to do something special and you were just on the mountaintop which is great I mean there's nothing like mountaintop experiences you can't repeat them I mean you can't do it all the time or it wouldn't be special right you know but but when you have those mountaintop experiences it's really something extraordinary well guess what you think about it you don't get wisdom and revelation when you're having these mountaintop experiences You get the revelation and the insight when you're in the valley in these wilderness periods, and then you carry that to the mountaintop. That's one of the things that makes the mountaintop experience is that much better. Another way of looking at this is often you end up with a heavenly perspective to an earthly situation. See, so if you've got a problem, you may be in a a dark period where you just have some problem you can't solve, and it just seems like there's no... Yeah, haven't you ever had a problem like that? I mean, I remember just trying to have wrestling with problems. There's not a re- there's not a solution. You know, it doesn't matter what I come up with. There's not a solution, but there's a heavenly solution. God has the answer. I'll tell you a personal situation of mine. I, I, I've, um, my company's been in a lawsuit for about almost three years now, which is really a pain because we just can't seem to get out of it. Can't seem to shake it. And uh, I generally cope with it. It's a lot of firms involved and, and uh it, and it's messy, but I, I generally cope with it. But there are times when the lawyer, other lawyers are beating us up, or I, the fear takes over, and I start thinking about what about this, what about you know, what if this happens, what if that, and the fear sort of starts working on me, and and, I, and it's and I think it's, it becomes that kind of a situation where it's a dark night for me. And um, this happened a couple of months ago, and I, and I was talking to, I guess I was not a very pleasant to be around because Virginia was said, "What's wrong? You know, what's going on?" She says. She said, what do you fear? What are you most afraid of? And I said, well, you know, the money's an issue if something happens there. And it shouldn't because, you know, we're innocent and all, and all that. But it's just you never know in these kind of things. I said, that's a distraction. I hate it. It's, I can't get closure. It just never seems. And we got to keep paying legal expenses. I said, and reputation. I said, uh, you know, if somebody writes an article that makes us look bad, as they did about somebody else, I said, Yeah, it would really, that would really, uh, really bum me out. If somebody, you know, we've I've worked hard to get a good reputation, and we could that could just really be, really be hit. I just, I, I just that bothers me. And Virginia said, So maybe you've got a pride problem. And I said, I'm not feeling especially proud. You know, I'm not walking around like I'm on top of the earth or anything. I just, you know, I'm just a humble guy. I want to get out of this thing. She said yeah, but if you care about so much about your reputation, maybe you care more about what man thinks than what God thinks. And, and I just went, ow. You know, you I mean, I'm a bit of a truth teller. Truth tellers know what I'm talking about. You just can have a pretty discerning about what's false and what's truth. And my truth meter just kind of went, bong, 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 bong. You know, like there's something there. So I prayed about that. And sure enough, as I prayed about it, I got, that's what I got, that it was, you know, I was maybe getting, this is some of the wisdom I needed to take out of this. I was maybe getting too caught up in worrying about, you know, my precious reputation. And you know, what was, what was, what was neat about it was, as I prayed, I really, got, I really got a piece about it because what came to me was, hey, it was just relief. It's like, I don't need to worry about what everybody thinks. I can, I can just toss that aside it's just me and God. He knows my heart. Let me just please God. You know, if I please God, everything ought to take care of itself, and I don't have to worry about all that stuff. So that was really, um, that was really a, to me, that was, a, you know, revelation. I bet you have something like that that you've either been through or you're going through where you'll get, you'll get something that just is, whew, gets you. Uh, and if you notice in both of the examples I told about me, I, well, I didn't say the other one, the first example... Uh, was interesting because I prayed. I was really frustrated with my business, and there were a number of people that I had praying with me. A number of them are here right now, who are very special, prophetic people, and uh, they prayed. And what I was sort of getting, which was scary, was I needed to do, do something totally, ra- totally different, very radical. And that's what I was getting from these people too. And that three or four people said, "You know, God wants you going in a different direction." So we basically, basically. Change the way we do business, pretty much shut, shut the thing down for a while, which was I never, I never would have imagined, but, I, but I, that's what I got. So call on other people. You know, when you're going through a dark time, you know, you need to press into that. You need to pray, but there's, you really want to have advisors, have people praying with you. Have a, have, you want to seek wise counsel, as it says in the Bible. Um, you know, I think about this church, and that's one of the great things about having a body where you have a lot of like-minded people. Because this, this church is crazy to pray for people. You know, people pray not just here, but so much happens outside these walls where people are praying, you know, in small groups all over the place. And that's just great. You know, a, a, a criticism you may have heard, some people will, will, I've heard criticize RCC. They kind of put us down and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, if you're really hurting or struggling, that's, that's you want to go to that church, you know. You know, of course, I think when most of us hear that, we go, amen. You know, right on. Bring them on. We want to be a church that that welcomes everyone, that everyone feels good about coming to. And we believe that God is here. His Holy Spirit is here. You know, we heard that in the testimonies. Those are great. And he wants to heal us. It also makes me wonder, too. I mean, I I can't help but wonder a little bit, you know, from somebody from another church. So you want to be at a church where people don't, they shouldn't go if they're hurting? You know, that just, that doesn't seem right. So a lot of good things are going on, you know, in, in ministries. A lot of it's volunteer-led. Outside this church, we do the share shop, we do the Saturday ministry. We've got, the, you know, a clinic. We've got, you know, all that's going on in Hollybrook. All this stuff, which is great, but we're not doing that really for our glory. We're doing we're doing that because we should. It's we're a community, we're a family, and we should do that. And we need to remember that we should always be giving and receiving. And guess what? Nobody always gives. And nobody always receives. Every one of us here has to, ha, will have times when we need to receive. And sometimes, you know, bad times. If you're in one of these periods, it's a real a dark night of the soul. You need to receive. You need to have people pray for you. If things are going great, which is, I would say is most of the time for most of us, that's great. But you need to be thinking, how can I use my gifts? What should I be doing? Because not only does, is, is that what, what we do as a body, but when you give... You get the blessing. You know everybody here who's, who does that knows that. You know these people. I mean, I get emails from people that, like on the Saturday Ministry, and you, you can just—they're just—they're just so blessed by some of these things that happen. It's terrific. So, I w- to close, I would say you're either going through a dark night of the soul, period, or you will. And if you're not right now and things are great, that's terrific. But think about how you can encourage others. Think about how you can use the gifts that God gave you. God gave us all, you know, a great package of gifts. Think about how you can use those to, to give back, to give to others. If you are going through a rough time right now and you're in that, you feel like you may be in that dark night of the soul period, God is there. I just want to assure you that he will not abandon you. He will never abandon you. You may think he does, just like David felt like, are you going to turn your heart away from me, your face away from me me forever? That's David. That's King David saying, are you gone forever? God will not abandon you. He wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. And he wants all the best for you. So God is there. He's always there. Let's stand.